Nancy here tonight on our Sunday night service. Stand with me, would you, as we sing our first song tonight, Since I Have Been Redeemed. Lift it up tonight as we sing. I have a song I love to sing since I have been redeemed of my Redeemer, Savior, King, since I have been redeemed, since I have been redeemed, since I have been redeemed, I will glory in His name, since I have been redeemed. Thank you. 
the singing tonight. Brother Sellers, would you stand open us in a word of prayer, please? Good morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your time together in your house, Lord. Thank you for your love and mercy and your grace to us all. Well, welcome back. Good to have everybody back this evening. Looking good. I wanted to really give a quick quick announcement here. We have uh, Tim and Melissa Patrick have come back to join Central Baptist Church. Somehow we lost their card. Uh, I appreciate them not taking it personal. See, that's the way it's supposed to be, you know. And, uh, we'll, of course, we'll talk to the staff later. It may have been. But anyways, and uh, but that, that didn't make it to me. And uh, so, uh, obviously, just a uh, situation there. But we're excited to have them. All those in favor of, of welcoming them back, say good hearty amen. And, of course, so so you welcome them back here to Ponca City, Oklahoma. And uh, good to have Tim and Melissa. Uh, what a great addition, obviously. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. Also tonight, if you'd be in prayer for Matt prayer for Matthew Morales. Uh, Matt is a diehard Eagles fan. And uh, normally I would bring this up tonight, but it, it is Super Bowl Sunday. And, and here's what the issue is, okay? It, it, if they lose, he's going to cry in front of the teens, okay? That, that's really where the issue's at. It's going to be a little embarrassing. And uh, so he's got to try to compose himself. So if you'd pray for that. You know, now, we're not praying that Philadelphia wins, okay? We are closer to Kansas City, so we don't really care if they win, but he does. So we're just asking for prayer for him and uh, is all that we're asking for. And then if they lose or when they lose, uh, we're, we're praying because Kevin's kind of a tad bit of a Kansas City fan, and they're working together with the teens, and it, it's going to be bad up there is all I'm going to say. And uh, so I'm going to need a couple of our security team to stay tonight uh, to watch the ball game and just intervene if it doesn't go good, okay? So fun stuff, but they do have a youth thing tonight turning over to brother matthew now as he runs the service tonight for our youth night and uh, so we appreciate him and everything uh which what you don't know really with our all of our guests coming he won't say anything but uh, one of the reasons we had so many guests is uh matthew actually put the facebook ad out did some tweaking to it and uh, in that uh as of monday i didn't hear the final count we had 530 people respond online well david's been doing this for a long time uh the average is 30 so when he puts that out into all these communities, 30 people respond online. We had 530 people respond online. Uh, but honestly, directly related to what uh, Brother Matthew did, he showed Brother David what to do and how to do that. So they're going to continue that process in the communities to come. So we appreciate his hard work there. So I'm going to turn it over to him. He's going to announce what's going on tonight. So before you Chiefs fans attack me, let me explain why I'm an Eagles fan. And this is a true story. I wasn't going to tell you all, but... Well, now I got to tell you, um, when I was little, I struggled making friends, and uh, mainly because I was homeschooled and also because I'm me, you know, and, uh, and I, I knew my friends were really into sports, and so I thought, well, the way to get friends is to learn how to talk about sports. I didn't know much about sports, so at eight years old, I, I go to the library, you know, the place where you learn about sports, <laughs> and I... I rent a book. I don't, I don't know. I, I got uh, four books, a book on the soccer player Pele. I thought that would win me tons of friends. <laughs> it was a biography, a book on the New York Yankees, uh, a book on the Green Bay Packers, and a book on the Philadelphia Eagles. And I studied it so hard so that someone would talk to me and become my friend. Didn't work, but 
I became an Eagles fan. I was a fan of the Packers for a little while, uh, but after there was, I remember one game when I was a kid, uh, there was an Eagles player that got hurt and, and the whole team just went around in their, his little like stretcher and like gave him a high five and I was like, that's my team. And they were my team until Baker Mayfield entered the league and since then I've been following him wherever he goes, even into the pits of nowhere, in <laughs> base at this point. But anyway, enough about the Super Bowl. <laughs> Excited for we're having a Super Bowl party tonight uh, upstairs. So if you're a teenager, please join us for that. I know Brother Kevin Bragg will be there. Brother Josh Perkins will be there. Both diehard Chiefs fans. So it's bound to get ugly. So please be there for that. It's going to be great. I'm also excited because we've got two preachers tonight. Now, don't be scared if you're thinking they're going to go very long. Don't worry. They are both freshmen. And so it's going to be great. We're going to hear some good stuff. Uh, first up, we've got Hunter Irons. And if you've been here at the church, you know Brother Hunter. He's been doing an amazing job at Heartland. And talking to him during lunch, I realized that just this past semester, even the past couple of weeks, how much God has taught him and how much he has grown uh, in the Lord. And I'm, I'm just really excited how God is using Hunter, how he's teaching him, and how he's been adaptive uh, to what God has for his life. So he's going to come up first. And then secondly, he's a new face for us today. We've got Brother Tyrell Lassiter. Now, I know the Moriarty's are close friends with him and his family. Family, comes from Arizona, son of a church planner, and getting to know him, uh, friends of Hunter, as well as a couple of other people that recommended him. Just really excited to get to know him. So please, when they're both preaching, recognize they are going to be nervous. And so give them a smile. Don't look like you hate them. Make them feel welcome here at Central Baptist Church, both of them. And, and, and I, I, I'm convinced after hearing what they're preaching about, it's going to be a blessing for us. So we'll start off with Brother Hunter. Brother Hunter, come on up. Hi, I'm nervous and I'm very hunter. <laughs> Today, I'm going to be talking to you about how to raise your children. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm going to be in Deuteronomy 6 tonight. And also, I'm going to be in uh, 1 John 2. And it says in Deuteronomy 6, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all thy statutes and all his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy sons and thy sons' sons all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart." Um, I'm going to start with prayer because I am very nervous, and I'm a freshman. Dear Lord, um, thank you for the day, and thank you for this opportunity. Um, I always love coming back to our home, my home church, Lord, and um, I, definitely would, I definitely love serving here. Um, I thank you for this opportunity, help to calm my nerves, and to clearly present your word today. I love you, Lord. Amen. There's a lot of talks today about love, especially with Valentine's Day around the corner. Now this is also a reminder for you men, Valentine's Day is in two days. Um, 
But love is a powerful thing, and everybody wants to be loved, but we do not always understand how to love. Um, I found a, defini- a definition of love, the first ever sermon, and my first ever sermon I made, and it goes like this. But love is not primarily an emotion. Love is a decision we make and have to remake again and again. Love is a choice we have to make about whom and what we will allow to be important to us. Based on those decisions, our love then becomes something we do. This morning, I would like to ask you, are you in love? And that is also my title. So I have two points, and they're both in question form. My first, form, or my first question would be this. Are you in love with the Lord? In chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, Mo- Moses reviews again with, the Isra- with Israel the Ten Commandments. Um, after this review, chapter 6 begins with Moses reminding the Israelites that they must follow the law given to them by God through Moses. Um, it would be impossible for the Israelites to enjoy a long life and prosper into the promised land if they do not follow the commandments of God. There is no successful way forward into this new nation without a loving, a lo- loving obedience to God. Um, in Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, um, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Um, Jesus actually uses this, quote, uh, this verse of scripture in Matthew 22.37 when he was being questioned by Pharisee, a Pharisee lawyer on which is the greatest law. And God responded with this verse, but he also added our mind. Um, Jesus is stating that our, our greatest commandment is to love with all we have. Now, a loving relationship has many things to come with it. Um, a loving relationship involves commitment and loyalty. In a godly marriage, we show commitment to another person. In the, in the marriage, you agree to be that person's lifetime companion, to have and hold from that day forward, to be for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until you are parted by death. Um, a loving relationship involves trust and respect for that person loved. A loving relationship uh, involves giving and surrendering oneself. And a loving relationship involves knowing and sharing. Now that we kind of have a basic knowledge of what kind of love is, um, we can show what it means when we love with all our heart. Um, we, love, we are supposed to love God uh, with, wholeheartedly. Um, to love God with all your heart means with all your heart or your affections. God lo- love God with pure intentions and your behaviors will show that it is true. The heart is a seat of our emotions. Um, there are many things that can make or break our day. Ladies, if your husband gives you a gift, a flower, whatever, for Valentine's Day, it might make your day. Um, but let's say you get in a car accident or something bad news happens, it could ruin your day, weeks, or months. Um, our emotions sit on our hearts and affect the way we are. The heart aches with sorrow and love. Now, we love God with all our heart, but also we must love God with all our soul. To love God with your soul shows in your emotions and your inside relationship with God. If God touches your heart in a sermon, you will feel the need to change. You will pray to him with your issues and needs. And you will not forget to give God the praise whenever he does bless you. God made you a living soul as well. Um, We have free will, and God doesn't force us to love him but we have to make the decision to believe and love him. But also, while he made us a soul, our soul is eternal. One day you will die as a fleshy human being, and your soul will continue on to a very real heaven or hell. And to avoid an eternal hell where we do belong, um, we must recognize that we are sinners. 
And we must rely on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus who bore and took away our sins that he wants us to believe in, a, in faith that he did die and we must put our trust and soul in God trust in our soul in God and he will save us from an everlasting hell love and trust God with your eternal soul but we also have might to love God with all your might we use our time our energy talents and resources to keep his commandments Um, giving God our time and energy is so essential this is not only just making the church on time and but it's being a part of everything the most you can be. Um, when I started coming to Central Baptist Church, I started. I I was only coming Sundays and Wednesdays, just to service. I wouldn't do anything extra. I would just leave afterwards. But as I became here, uh, Brother Tim uh, encouraged me to go to these events and be around godly people, and that really is what changed my life. Um, being around people all the time and being around events with godly preaching, um, it. It started to help me grow exponentially. But it was not only these events. Um, it was Bible reading and prayer. I was giving my time and energy, having a strong personal relationship with God, but not, but not only this shows his love towards me, but it, allows me to fi- it allowed me to find the time and energy I didn't have or I was selfish with and give it back to God. But while I was giving my time and energy, um, I was serving with gladness. When we serve with gladness, we give our time and energy, and it isn't just for nothing. It's for God. Now, I do understand not every job is enjoyable. For example, um, last summer I did intern here for a little bit. It was more of a work-based internship. But I got the opportunity, me and uh, Kayla, to clean the grout in the bathrooms. Uh, We were on our hands and knees for hours with toothbrushes, squirting little stuff, and just... And then you just... It took a very, very long time, and I had serious back pain. Um, uh, But while I was doing that, I was serving with gladness. Um, And I was very glad it was over. (laughs) Now that I'm at Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, I don't get the opportunities like I I did here at Central like I do there. And I'm thankful to be able to help out here whenever I can. What God wants most from us is our love. We often think God demands a hundred other things from us. Our money, our time, our effort, our will, our submission, and so forth. But what God really wants is our love. When we, re- when we really love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and might, then everything else will be freely, freely given unto the Lord. If we give the Lord the rest, the money, the time, the will, the effort, and so forth, without giving Him our love, it's all wasted and perhaps all lost. Now, I would pursue most of us here love the Lord, but is it with your whole heart? Or are you in love with point number two? Are you in love with the world? Daily, we are bombarded with attractive people telling us that we can't be happy unless we own the product that they're selling or adopt the lifestyle they are pursuing. It's less... it is the lust for the things of the world that prompt Americans to spend billions on casino, gambling, and lottery tickets. Just one lucky hit, and you will have it all. In 1 John 2, 2 15-17, um, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes... 
and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And that the, and the world passeth away, and that the lust thereof. And he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In 1 John chapter 2, John tells us the spiritual condition of these, and in just chapter 2 in general, the spiritual condition of these Christians were very good. But while they had good faith, they would still have to face enemies. John is warning the readers of worldly dangers that face the Christians as he or she will seek to get to know God better. Um, John mentions the world six times in these three verses. Well, what is the world? Well, it's the entire system of rebellion against God and his rule. A commentator said, Worldliness does not lie in the things we do or in places we frequent. It lies in the human heart and in, in the set of human afflictions and attitudes. To John, worldliness is thinking the world is ultimately what matters, placing it above the Father. Sometimes we do not fall, sometimes we do follow the world, though that's why John has to warn us. John says the desire of flesh, he's talking about, he's talking about the wrong focuses uh, of the desire of the things that you can see, touch, and feel, like food, drinks, leisure, sex, rest, enjoyment, comfort, anything that appeals how you feel in the body. And then the desire of eyes, it means beauty, attractiveness, glamour, and what appeals to our sight. When you see something, you just have to have it. Through our eyes, the world appeals to us to find satisfaction in the superficial, which can never satisfy. Buy this bigger, newer home and you will be happy. Find this beautiful woman or handsome man and you will be satisfied. Get the perfect job and have plenty of money and your inner longings will be quenched. But this is evident by the lives of rich and famous. None of these things deliver what they promise. Then there we have pride of life. Self-exaltation, thinking that you have and what you are is of your own doing. Pride, of, pride in possession, financial means, property, livelihood. While the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes refers to pride, sinful pride over what you don't have, the boastful pride of life is sinful in what you do have. It desires to be better than others that you can glory in yourself and your accomplishments. Now, I do like to have nice things, and I do like to have money, even the little amounts that I have, being in college. Um, but these possessions and money and worldly pleasures sometimes take our whole heart. We battle these temptations daily, and we often fail. But John's point is, if you go on yielding the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life as your way of life, you are not maintaining the love of the Father. Rather, you're maintaining the love of the world. Worldly people wall in these things. God's children fight them continually. Any loving relationship must be maintained, and that is true for the relationship with your father. It is especially true in the enemy, enemy is trying to lure you from the father's love with all the temptations of the world. We must make the decision to love the father, and once you've made that decision, you must fight to maintain your choice against the strong current of the world. Do not love is a present imperative, indicating that it is an ongoing battle. Love is the Greek agape, indicating that it is a commandment, not a feeling. John is commanding us to love. Jesus says, ye cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve two masters, God or the world. 
So John's commandment challenges us. Choose your love. Either you love the world or you love the Father. You cannot straddle the line. The Father is, is a jealous lover who deserves and demands total, total love. Loving the Father begins at the cross when you receive him as your, your supreme gift of love. The Lord Jesus Christ, a substitute for your sins. I'm going to read that quote I read at the beginning. But love is not primarily an emotion. Love is a decision we make and have to remake again and again. Love is a choice about whom and what we will make to be important to us. Based on those decisions, our love then becomes something we do. And I will end with two questions. Are you in love? And who really has your love? And let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I thank you for calming my nerves and helping me through this, Lord. Lord, I pray that, that we focus your love on you, Lord, that you have our whole heart, and the world doesn't have any of it, Lord. Lord, help us through, through the rest of this night and help Tyrell with his preaching, Lord, and calm his nerves. Uh, thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I love you, Lord. Amen. Right. Thank you, Brother Hunter. Stand with me, would you? Stretch your legs a little bit. Love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry.
the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. job, you may be seen.
Good evening, everyone. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Tyrell Lasseter. I'm from Victory Baptist Church in Vail, Arizona. I'd just like to thank you for this opportunity that I get to come here and preach from the Word of God. I'm very grateful for that. I'm a little sad, though, because Hunter did steal my joke uh, from the beginning a little bit, just a little upset about that. I am extremely nervous, so please uh, bear with me as we get through this message. Um, I try not to take too much of your time. I know we have the Super Bowl going on, and I don't want to compete with that. So. The, the message I'm going to be bringing to you today is a very common story in the Bible. A lot of people know it. Um, it's referenced a lot. Um, it's found in Numbers 22, and we'll be reading in verse 21. And this story involves a talking animal, just a fair warning. I think, by far, it's probably one of the funniest stories in the Bible. I think the Bible has a lot of humor, and I think our God has a very good sense of humor. And I think this, this book, this story shows it. So Numbers 22 and verse 21. And we begin reading. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and the sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when, he saw, and when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with the staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now would I kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, 
am not I thine ass upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down his head, and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out of the way withstand, uh, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me, thee, saw me, and turned from thee these three times, unless she had turned from me. Surely now also I had slain thee, and saved her alive. And Balaam have said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. Today I'd like to preach to you a little bit about how there's no excuse to not serve God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this wonderful opportunity that I get to have to come preach here, Lord. Just please calm my nerves and help me just focus on you, Lord, and make this not about me and make this about you. Thank you for everything you've done for us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to be giving a little bit of background information as to what's going on. Why is Balaam going up to Moab to see all this? So what's happening is the Israelites are camped outside the plains of Moab on the east side of Jericho. And um, the king of Moab, King Balak, was scared of the Israelites. In his defense, though, he did just see the Israelites wipe out the Amorites. It's like watching your neighbor get beat up by someone, and then that guy goes and just starts sets up camp right in front of your home. So he was a little worried about what was going on. So he heard of this man called Balaam, and he knew that whoever Balaam cursed was cursed, and whoever was blessed was blessed. So he sent messengers unto Balaam to bring him here so they could kind of discuss and negotiate. The Lord told him no. He went and seeked after the Lord the first time. The Lord said, don't go, so he, he stayed. But then the king sent more messengers to, to Balaam, and they were kind of more pristine, more up there, uh, more the princes of Moab. And so this time he decided to go with them and not wait upon what the Lord had told him to do. And this is where we pick up our, in our scripture, in Numbers 22-21. Uh, so Balaam's riding with the princes of Moab on his donkey. Now, God was not happy. I'd just like to point out that when you disobey God, God is not happy with that. God is not happy when you disobey God. So God sent an angel to make sure that Balaam would not get there. And um, adversary means, according to Google, I use Google. I don't have all the stuff that I probably should have as a, trying to be a pastor. So it says something that opposes or attacks. So, so this angel was sent to stop Balaam and oppose him and attack him if he was to try, when he was trying to get to, to Moab. Now, in Numbers 22, 23, things go from zero to 100 real quick. I mean, within seconds. The donkey sees the angel standing there, but Balaam can't see him. His eyes was closed. So the smart donkey's like, uh, no, mm, no, I'm going to go over here. I'm not dealing with that, and goes off into the field. And um, what does a man do whenever something, he's trying to make it work, it does what the opposite of that, starts getting worse? He hits it, whether if it's his lawnmower, his dishwasher, his TV, he's going to hit it. That, that's just what we do. That's been going on in the Old Testament, and it's still going on today. So Balaam hits his donkey. And he tried to bring the donkey back onto the path and get it on the right way. So the angel then moved to the path in the vineyard where there was a wall on either side. Now, once again, the donkey's seeing this angel standing there. And, he does, and this poor donkey doesn't want anything to do with it. So I, I kind of picture it this way. There's a wall on this side and there's a wall on that side. The, the donkey is like being forced to go forward. So it kind of does a crossover move to try and avoid the angel. If, if you don't know, I like basketball. Sorry, I have to point that out. I'm a big basketball fan, so I had to put a little basketball in there. And doing this crossover move, she crushed Balaam's foot. That, that is something that is even worse. When a man is trying to make something work, and it hurts him. 
For instance, uh, it, it, just, it just goes bad. So he hits the donkey again. And um, you would think at this point, the donkey's clearly trying to send messages, something is going wrong. But Balaam still can't see what's happening. So, as we continue in verse 26, what happened in verse 26, the angel moved to a narrow place. The donkey couldn't go right, the donkey couldn't go left. I, I, again, I picture it like this. I, I could just see this happening. It looks to its left, looks to its right, just shrugs its shoulders and just lies down. Now, Balaam is angry. I mean, he's just mad at this point. At this, he's probably swearing, cursing up a storm, and just hitting his poor donkey. Now, if you thought this story was funny before, it get, it, it's just, it gets even better. It gets even better at this point. Because the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and the donkey asked a very logical question. Why did you hit me? The only unlogical part about that was a donkey was talking to Balaam. Now, if, if my dog just started talking to me, I'm going to scream like a little girl and, and start running the other direction. What, what does Balaam do? Does he scream? Does he question, why is this donkey talking to me? No, he starts to have a conversation with it. That, that, that's what's going on. He starts having a conversation with this donkey. And, the, and he says, because you weren't listening to what I was telling you to do. And he wished that he could kill this donkey. This donkey was saving his life. And he wished he could kill this donkey. That's how mad he was. But in verse 31, that's when God opened the eyes of Balaam. He was able to see the angel standing there. Now, you know when you're in trouble? When you hear your mom call your name, Tyrell, get in here. The color drains from your face. You don't even know what you've done. That's how I'm picturing Balaam right now. He's, he's terrified because there's an angel with a sword standing there. So he bows down before the angel. The angel points out several things. He points out that he hit the donkey three times. He also points out that he was sent there to kill Balaam if he was go to, before he made it to Moab. Then he points out that the donkey saved his life. And the, be the best part of it is, though, the angel said, I would have just killed you and I would have let the donkey live. Now that would humble someone real quick. So Balaam, this is when he kind of is a little more smart. He asked for forgiveness and asked what he should do next. Now for the sake of time, I, I, again, I don't want to keep you here for that long. I'm not going to go into the rest of the story. Um, it's a good read. It goes through chapter 25. But uh, Moab never attacked or cursed Israel. But they did infect it. I will, I'll give you a little spoiler. They did infect it. They did infect Israel. But right now I'm not going to be focusing on that. I'm focusing on Balaam and his donkey. And my main point, the one thing I want to focus on, is that God used a donkey. And if God can use a donkey, I would like to argue that God can use each and every one of you. God used a donkey. So the title of my message is, There's No Excuse to Not Serve God. I'm going to go through how some of the excuses that people bring up. Excuses that I have made why I can't serve God. And I'm going to show you through scripture and through um, the Bible how that's not true. Number one, I do this all the time. And, so, and there's people who do this too. They use their liabilities, their weaknesses as a reason to not serve God. If God used a donkey, God can use you. Your liabilities, your weaknesses, your sickness, they aren't reasons to not serve God. They're the very reason to serve God. We all have weaknesses. We all have problems. We all have struggles. But like Brother Waterloo said, we can use those struggles to help other people in times of need. Your weaknesses are very reasons to serve God. A lot of Bible characters, a lot of people in the Bible had weaknesses too. Moses, the leader of the Israelite nation, writer of the first five books of the Bible, 
he didn't like speaking in front of people. And yet, God used him to lead a nation. Ehud. Ehud is one of my favorite judges, personally. I love Ehud. His story is just incredible. Ehud was a Benjamite. And if you don't know all that, Benjamite was a warrior, the Benjamite tribe was a warrior tribe. They're all fighters. They could all fight. But Ehud was left-handed. So they didn't know how to really use him to fight. So they just made him an accountant. But God used Ehud, the left-handed accountant, to fight a war and to save Israel from persecution. God used these weaknesses and built bridges. And God can do the same for each and every one of you. Let God do the same for you. You have no idea how your weaknesses can be used to serve God. There's a story that comes to mind. This is, this is near and dear to my heart because I knew this little boy. And I, oh, I might start crying thinking about it. It's about a boy named Philip. If you don't know, Philip Logue. You guys probably know who that is. Philip Logue, I loved him. My mom used to babysit for him. I would read him stories. It was amazing. He had a problem. I don't know the name of the disease, but it was very, very rare. He couldn't speak. He really couldn't eat on his own. He couldn't really process that much thought. And what the world looked at is worthless. What everyone else would said, he doesn't have quality of life. God used that little boy. Because of that, people who would have probably never heard the gospel were able to hear the gospel and people got saved. There is no weakness that we can muster up that God cannot use. Do not use your weaknesses as an excuse to serve God. This is wonderful that there is a God in heaven that could take our faults, take our problems, and use them. Isn't that amazing? That's a wonderful, wonderful truth. The second excuse that a lot of people use, and once again I'm guilty of this, is people use their sin as an excuse to not serve God. I would like to point this out. The God that forgave you of your sins can use you in spite of your sins. The devil's going to try to tell you things, you, that your sin is too great for God. He tried to do it before you were saved. If you are saved, he will try to do it before you're saved. He said, God can't really save you. He can and he can also use you in spite of every sin you commit. When you call upon the name of the Lord, you ask for forgiveness, you repent of your sins, you are a new creature, the old creature has passed away, and God can use you. That's wonderful. God does not use the holy man except for Jesus Christ. He only used one perfect man to get his message across. God used sinners for most of the Bible to get his message across. Let's look at some of the men that God used. Number one, let's look at the first one. God used a hard-headed, foul-mouthed, denying fisherman. He used Peter. He used Peter to spread his message. Second, God used a stubborn, genocidal tent maker, Paul. I'm sorry. Looking at that list of the qualifications, I, I would... Uh, hold on. Are, are you sure about these two? Can we get someone a little more holy, a little more better? No. That's who God used. And God can use... I don't think anyone's committed genocide in this room. So I think God can use each and every single one of you in spite of your sin. Do not use your sin as an excuse to not serve God. He forgave you of them. Stop holding on to them. Let God use you. Now the last excuse. This one is pretty big. People like to say not knowing what God wants them to do is an excuse. Now, I, I need to throw this disclaimer out there. I, I, I have to do that. I'm not saying you have to have your life perfectly planned out. You don't have to know your uh, future career, know what you want to do in life. No, but what I am saying is God has told each and every Christian to do something. He has told each and every Christian to do something. And he says this in his word. He, he said to go tell people about Jesus Christ. 
about what Jesus Christ has done for you. About how Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, rose again the third day later, is the Son of God, and you can be forgiven of your sins. That is what we were supposed to do. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, Lord, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Colossians 1, 27 through 28, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this ministry among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Go tell people about Jesus Christ. Not knowing what God wants is not an excuse because God tells you what he wants to do. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. I think it is the freshman's theme verse. In almost every class, we had to memorize Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever, sorry, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Go tell people about Jesus Christ. That is what we are supposed to do. Teach them about what he has done for you. Teach them about what God has done for you. Teach them that he can save them. No matter what your career, no matter what you do in life, go tell people about Jesus Christ. This is the one thing that God said to be instant in season and out of season was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have good news. We need to share it with the world. Not knowing what God wants you to do is not an excuse. Not knowing what God wants you to do is not an excuse. Tell people about Jesus Christ. There are probably some people in this room, though, who have never learned the love of God, never learned the love of Jesus Christ. It would not surprise me in the room this size that there are people in here who do not know the love of Jesus Christ. Well, the God that, you, that forgave me in spite of my sins uses me in spite of my sins. He can do the same for you. He can do the same for you. Everyone has a part in 2 Peter 3.9. When God's word says all, it means all. God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but of everlasting life. If you do not know for sure today that you are going to heaven, if you do not know for sure that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, do not leave today without knowing for sure that you're going to heaven. Don't leave today. God can forgive you of your sins. God can use you in spite of your sins. God can use you in spite of your weaknesses. And that's wonderful. If God forgave me, if God uses me, he can do the same for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for your gospel and just thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity that I get to have that I come get to preach, Lord. And if there are any people in here that aren't saved, Lord, don't let them leave this building without knowing for sure that they are going to heaven. Lord, just thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand for a moment of invitation. Two great messages. First one, easy to, very clear to understand what is keeping you from loving God. And the second one, what is your excuse for serving them? Very clear message that all of us can clearly understand and take to heart. So for a brief moment, we're going to sing page 167, Just As I Am. If you'd love to do business with God, now would be the time to do so. Brother Andy, as we sing the first verse. Just as I am without
you may live this way. All God's people said? Man, some great two messages from these young men. Uh, Very, very excited for their futures right? Uh, Very excited that God's going to use them. God's called them to ministry. Very excited to see how they progress the next three years. Hopefully we can have them come back uh, many more times here in the future. Uh, Let's do this. Uh, Brother Hunter, Brother Tyrell, would you please head to the foyer uh, so that the members can make make sure you thank him for spending time, give him a word of encouragement for for these guys. Uh, Not a ton of preaching experience, but God's already using them greatly, so please make sure they feel appreciated. Well, let's pray. We'll be dismissed. Remember a couple of things. We've got the youth department doing the uh, Super Bowl uh, upstairs uh, a Super Bowl party. And then this Saturday, there's going to be a, a, a bowling activity for teenagers. Uh, quick, uh, a little time change. We're moving the departure date uh, this Saturday from two th- uh, to 2.30, uh, and then we're going to get back at 5.30. So moving the hours just a little bit, but bowling for the teenagers. Were there any other announcements, Brother Lynn? All right, let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the the clear messages today, uh, this morning, as well as this evening. Thank you so much for showing your hand on on two young men that have been called to serve you. Lord, I ask you to be be with these men as they grow at Heartland, as they continue to learn and develop, and that we as a church will be able to support them the best we can. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you so much for being here. Y'all are dismissed. (music) 